What up? This is Dart Adams, and this is episode 62 of Dart Against Humanity. So what I've been doing lately is right now I'm in a writing hole. I. How do I explain what that is? It's I get into a space where I'm just writing, 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 researching to the point where. I don't go anywhere else, do anything else, but until I'm done doing what I'm doing. I've missed a gang of things happening, uh, a lot of like beat culture events, uh, album parties, album release situations, a whole bunch of things that I just typically would have been out for. But I'm stuck doing these things. If I don't complete all these tasks, then I'm not going to see like the light of day. Not that it is really light to see right now because it's transitioning into um fall for real, for real. I just had to cover up the air conditioner, you know, because it's about to get for real cold. I haven't been to the barbershop. I haven't lined up the beard because I've just been doing a lot of writing and researching. And when I get into those spaces, I don't come out of them until I'm done doing everything I'm doing. To give you an idea of everything that happens uh, November, because, again, we're getting to the, uh, the winter part of the year. So it's like everything changes over. It's like I'm transitioning into a whole different space mentally and physically and everything else. It starts getting darker sooner outside. I start listening to different kinds of music because this is when the winter albums situation starts arising. I mentioned this in the previous um, episode of Dart Against Humanity. But also I do certain posts and certain things this time of year, every year. And also one of the things that's happening right now is so there's a game that came out recently, Death Stranding, uh, Hideo Kojima, another of, of his games, the guy who did um, the Metal Gear series and a whole, a whole slew of classic games. But the thing is with him is that he has a lot of concepts and ideas that are really high minded, but they appeal to a Japanese sensibility. If you know what that means, if you've like dealt with a whole bunch of like Japanese media, like anime, for for instance, there's just some Japanese media that gets translated to English and a lot of things get lost in the translation because of the concepts that are normal to the Japanese mindset and and environment just don't really translate well. To English speakers, especially North American English speakers, because our lifestyle and, and our the way we approach the world and our concepts of life are just so different, vastly different. So um, one of those things being is that the ideas and the concepts presented in this uh, sci fi world that Kojima is a uh, I didn't say Kojima son. Uh, Kojima is his created just are fucking off the wall and don't make a lot of sense. So what I like to do and what a lot of people in my space like to do is I'm not great at playing games. So my brothers used to get the final uh, like the Metal Gear games, Final Fantasy games, what have you, and play them through. And I would sit there and watch. But there's this thing called YouTube now. And what and there's also these things called like streamers, Twitch streamers, YouTube streamers, what have you. So what you can do is you can pretty much watch playthroughs of the game. 
You got a smart TV, you just switch it to YouTube and you just watch them on your own television. And what happened recently is that they uploaded the entire, every cut screen. So the entire movie, I'm using air quotes you can't see, of Death Stranding. So it's eight hours. I don't sleep. I end up watching all eight hours of Death Stranding while doing other things. I'll get to what I was doing. And the shit don't make sense. I mean, there are a lot of concepts there that are well-intentioned and I get what he was trying to do. But for the North American or English speaking audience, it's convoluted. It's clunky. The shit doesn't make sense. Okay. And then they are, they'll use a term for something that could have been a simpler term could have been used, but he wants to make it, um, cinematic. He wants to make it visual. So he's created these analogies and things. Some of them work, some of them fall short. And it just gets to the point where after you're done and you've seen all eight hours and you're a writer like me, you're like, this could have been this, this could have been this, that could have been cut out entirely. That was too convoluted. This was clunky. So now I'm just sitting there. And the thing is that what's supposed to get you into the game, what actually works when you play a Metal Gear game is the gameplay, watching the gameplay. If you just watch the movie part of it, you're like, what the fuck is this? And it harkened back to, I said this on Twitter, back when Square had their um, their studio in Honolulu, I think it was, they did a CGI film called Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within, which was, of course, created by the Japanese side, the Japanese team. And a lot of the concepts that they had to translate to English didn't make sense to the North American or English speaker uh, sensibility or mindset or 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 anything. It just it didn't make sense. The plot didn't make sense. The concepts were just all over the place. And if you just watch the movie portion of the game, that's the same thing. If you don't play the game, you need to play the game. Because even when I saw um, the Metal Gear games played, it you, you're rewarded by playing the game because it's an excellent game. But the shit that they're doing on the story side just doesn't make sense to in English. And I just wanted to just like, Hammer that home. And the thing is that there are a lot of people that are going to say, oh, no, this was supposed to be this. this if you have to explain what something was supposed to be. Then. There's a problem. I feel like what Hideo Kojima is so much of a visionary that he doesn't want to let go certain things. If you want to make your game in just Japanese. Just make your game in Japanese. OK, but if you want to make games, find people, creatives who will make a game and kind of use the idea that you had, delay, stagger the time, the, the English version out, or just have somebody make their own game based on your concepts and your ideas and adapt it. So the shit makes sense. You finish your game and you're like, yo, so how'd you like Death Stranding? I like the gameplay like this and this, but the, the, the story didn't make any fucking sense. Like there's a bunch of shit, there's just holes everywhere. And even when you try to explain away the holes... It just gets more convoluted. Anyway, away from that. What was I doing while I was watching the eight hours of um, movie 
portion of Death Stranding. So what I do every year since, what, about three years ago, um, I do this thing on Medium. It's called, um, it's with underground rap albums. So let me pull up the exact title. Medium, not media fire. So I would have to sign in. Yeah, this is taking forever. So what I do is I actually write these pieces typically every year. I'm super busy right now, so I'm going to have to hold off on it. So I'm doing the research until I finish it, because one of the things I'm doing right now is I'm writing liner notes for an album. I should actually have that finished at some point today, because I have to figure out actually what day it is um, published. So every year around November, I do these uh, posts. Did I just scroll down too far? Jesus Christ, I'm a fast scroller. So I do these um, posts independent as fuck. The first one I did, I do it at the, the 20th anniversary. So the first one I did was in November 2017, independent as fuck, 20th Central Underground Hip Hop Releases from 1997. Uh, the one I did the next year, I did it in September, late September uh, 2018, because I knew I was going to be busy writing stuff in November. So I did independent as fuck too, 25 Essential Underground Hip Hop Releases from 1998. And I'm actually working on independent as fuck three. And I think it's going to be uh, 25 essential underground hip hop releases from 1999, as far as I can tell. But one of the things that delayed it is research. Why? Because people don't know release dates. Now, in doing research, I discovered that the upcoming release dates for the 1999 version should be Beat Junkies, World Famous Beat Junkies Volume 3, which came out November 9th, 1999. The Grassroots, Canadian group, their album was on Conception, Passage Through Time, classic album, which was released on November 9th, 1999. And it looks like November 9th, 1999 is the actual release date of MF Doom's Operation Doomsday. Okay, it looks like I figured that out. Uh, it looks like it's November 9th. It could have been November 2nd, but the Roots crew, Roots Come Alive came, on, came out on that day. And um, I'm pretty sure... That Operation Doomsday was released on November 9th, 1999. Now, a lot of people had it listed as April 20th before uh, Bobito posted and said that's not possible because here's the test pressing. And it came out on this date, but it's looking like it was October 9th, 1999. I mean, November 9th, 1999. Now, what I was also doing is I was researching other release dates. Basically, I was doing 1989 because 1989 is all fucked up. But in 1994, uh, on this day, 25 years ago, this is um, November 8th, November 8th, 20, um, 2019. So 25 years ago today, Pete Rock and CL Smooth released their classic uh, re-up sophomore album, uh, The Main Ingredient. Now, the next week, Method Man released uh, To Cal. And then the week after that, Red Man released Dare is a Dark Side. It was the month of the man for Def Jam in 1994. 
So I was doing, an, I have uh, research. So I researched something so I could write it later when I get to it. Uh, so I've been researching for Method Man's Tikal jaunt that came on no- November 15th. And Tikal is an interesting story behind that record and what happened with it and how it's perceived and how it's been perceived, especially by Method Man. And also it's an interesting story about Red Man, what happened behind his creation of Dares of Dark Side and his perception of it versus the audience's perception of it. And there's a similar story, but I think it's reversed for um, Method Man. Method Man was always chasing Tikal, like he wanted to get away from Tikal. And um, Red Man was also wanting to get away from Dare as a Dark Side. Like he doesn't even consider that album of his great. Meanwhile, his fans love it. He, he'll never play something from Dare as a Dark Side. He doesn't like playing tracks from Dare as a Dark Side. He's like talking about the album really. He's just like pushing it under the rug. Like I was in a really dark time. I was doing a lot of drugs. Shit was going really bad for me. I think it had a lot to do with the fallout of the um of the Death Squad and him just being by himself. He made that album pretty much by himself with an MPC-60. He was going through a lot of shit, doing like a lot of hallucinogenic drugs. He was fucking around with a crew called the Black Klux Klan. There was a lot of shit going on. I love that album. He, not not a fan. He loves Muddy Waters. I love Muddy Waters, but I like There's a Dark Side better than Muddy Waters. But he will do Muddy Waters 2, whatever, but There's a Dark Side, is, for me, is the shit. Because I believe Tikal and There's a Dark Side are two of the greatest um, winter rap albums made in the, in the um, early to mid-90s. Without a doubt. But now, let's talk, let's talk about what we came to talk about today. Actually, what I came to talk about. Y'all listening. The issue is 1989. Okay, if you make the mistake of using Wikipedia as your guide for when albums came out, you're going to look on Wikipedia and it's going to tell you Queen Latifah's All Hail the Queen was released on November 28th, 1999. When I already posted a video on um, Twitter a few days ago ahead of the curve because I know people are going to do it because they don't pay attention. They don't read and they don't do proper research. So I'm going to bust them on it again on the 28th, which is... 20 days from now that Queen Latifah's album All Hail the Queen couldn't have possibly been released on November 28, 1999 because it entered the charts on Billboard on November 25th, 1989. How can your album be released three days after it enters the charts when you need at least 10 days of sales before you can enter the charts or be or qualify for them? Now, if you also look, it'll tell you Jungle Brothers Done by the Forces of Nature was released on November 7th, 1989. Uh, Problem being is that if you look at the charts on um, November 25th, 1989, Jungle Brothers was released on Warner Brothers. If you look at the rap singles charts, you don't see any Jungle Brothers sing, um, singles on the singles charts. You don't see any Jungle Brothers singles on the dance charts of November 18th or 25th, 1989. And the Jungle Brothers definitely would have had a song on there because a lot of times what happens is the rap charts are only go up to 30. So what happens is that there's spillover. So rap songs end up on the dance charts because you can only put so many things on the rap charts. And that's a tool 
that's a that's a that's a uh, that's a tool right there for y'all. Uh, just a jewel for y'all who who want to do research. Um, if you're gonna look, you look at the dance charts and the rap charts. It's the same thing that I did for trying to figure out when the release date was or about the time when Roxanne Roxanne from UTFO came out in um 1984, and it debuts on the dance charts because there were no rap charts back then. And it was going to take even longer to enter the black music charts because in 1984, it wasn't getting enough spins in the daytime hours necessarily early, which would have been October, November 1984 um, to register on the charts. So what you'd have to do is you have to go back and you have to find um, recordings from rap shows in October and November 1984. To figure out when Roxanne, Roxanne by UTFO started getting spins. This is a lot of research and a lot of shit that if you weren't alive in 84, you wouldn't know what to do. I'm a professional. Now, back to what I was talking about. So I'm looking and I'm like, yo, I don't see any Jungle Brothers singles. Like the first single, like 5,000 booming watts. Sound system, state of the art. But like that would have been the first single, right? I don't see it anywhere. It's not showing up anywhere. And the other thing is that um, what you're waiting for ended up being actually bigger. What you're waiting for shows up in 1990. Early 1990. So it's really weird. And I'm like, all right, so let me get an idea when this album came out. And I, uh, the way to get an idea when the album came out is find out when it first debuted, right? So in order to find out when it debuted, you have to find out when it entered the charts. If you don't want to keep going to when it entered the charts, what you do is, is a shortcut. You go to when it peaked and you go backwards. You go to when it peaked, it tells you how many weeks have been on the charts. You go back and it, it tells you when it enters. It's an easy cheat. So I found out that Jungle Brothers Done by the Forces of Nature... Peaked at number 46. Damn. That's not high. It peaked at number 46 on the Black Albums chart on February 24th, 1990. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm actually going to pull up the Billboard magazine charts, uh, the archive that, 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 that they have. You can't go to Billboard and do this because they're going to charge you money. They just started doing that recently. And it's going to hurt a lot of people who want to do research. But actually, the funny thing is those charts aren't even full. So if you spend money to use those charts, you dumb. February 24th, 1990, click. Um, now, got to find uh, Sex Packets Digital Underground. The album includes the singles The Humpty Dance and Do What You Like. Tommy Boy 026. Hilarious. Um... That's the first thing that I see when I pop in um, February 24th, 1990. That and Lethal Weapon 2 made a killing. So when's, where's the black music charts? Where are the black music charts? MC Hammer, please don't hurt them. Yeah, full page ad. Black music charts on page 29. Scroll down, scroll down. Yes, I'm doing this in real time. It's funny because me going through different charts and reading... All these old things, the shit that I do normally for research. And it's funny that I realized that people don't actually do this because it's time consuming. Okay, top black albums for February 24th, 1990. It said it was 20, 46. Scroll down, scroll down. 
Jungle Brothers, Done by the Forces of Nature, number 46. It was 49 the week before, 50 the week before that. It's been on the charts for 11 weeks. So now what do I do is I go back. Bam. I go to February 24th and I go back 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, Let's try that again. Okay. Because I went from 1990 to 1985 instead of 1990, 1989. So we got to try it again. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4. Three, two, one. Wait, would it start here? So I'm looking at December 16th, 1989. I go to December 16th, 1989, and what do I see? The very first things I see, I see um, Queen Latifah rules the rap kingdom. Her slamming debut album, All Hail the Queen, is over 200,000 units, and a brand new single and video, Ladies First, are just the start for the major new talent. New York Times, ample melody and worldly conversations. Rolling Stone, a strong new offering. Arsenio Hall, I am Queen Latifah. Catch the Queen on upcoming Yom TV Raps funky reggae special on Tommy Boy. So I see Queen Latifah's album. On the first page of Billboard on the December 16th issue. Okay. So now I have to find the black music charts. Page 19. I'm scrolling down. Sometimes you can't just jump straight to. You, you got to slow down when you're scrolling. Because you're going to catch an article that explains a whole lot of information that you never would find anywhere else or you'll see a print ad that tells you everything you want to know when something got added when something entered the charts an article will tell you a whole bunch of stuff about showcases and who's who's out who's on priority look for albums by ice cube big lady k bobby jimmy and the critters nwa easy e low profile awesome dre and the hardcore committee 1989 priority records and there's a number the two and three number so top black albums Chunky A entered the charts. So, on December 16th, 1989, the Jungle Brothers, done by the forces of nature, enters the charts at number 82. Along with Grandmaster Slice and Izzy Chill on Select. Selecto Hits. Shall We Dance? Never even heard of them dudes. I promise you I never heard of these dudes. So, let's just do the math. Real quick. Done by the Forces of Nature is on a major label, Warner Brothers. Tommy Boy is on a Warner Brothers subsidiary. As a Warner Brothers subsidiary, okay? Thanks to a deal I found out recently. I watched this um, YouTube video with Monica Lynch explaining how that deal went down. And it came from a, um, a soundtrack and how a song off the soundtrack did really well. And Warner Brothers like, we need to fuck with Tommy Boy. Amazing story. But... The Jungle Brothers, Major Label, Warner Brothers, that album enters the charts at number 82. So that means that this album came out at least 10, 14 days ago from December 10th. 
I mean, December 16th. So likely this album came out late November, November 28th. But it says November 7th. But Queen Latifah says November 28th, but she entered the charts on the 25th. So it's likely Queen Latifah's album came out November 7th. And Jungle Brothers album done by the force of nature actually came out November 28th. So that's already wrong, right? Now, you see in this corner, it says the 31st and Bad Sister, um, the 31st. But when you see they entered the charts in. So in this corner, entered the charts on November 25th, 1989. But how in the hell is it going to take that much time? For Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince album to enter the charts. Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince sold double platinum last time. So, and they had, I think you could beat Mike Tyson, which was on every station you could imagine. The video was everywhere. Like, it's impossible that it took them that long to enter the charts if the album came out November 31st. So, that release date is likely wrong. Likely their album came out November 7th. So... Jazzy Jeff from the Fresh Prince and in this corner likely came out November 7th. Especially when you see how high they entered the charts. And their single was on the charts too. I think I think I could beat Mike Tyson. Now, Bad Sister debuts um December 2nd, 1989, I believe, which is um the first album from which is insane. The first album from Roxanne Chante. So it's likely it took a while to enter the chart. So it could have released been released on like November 14th. Possibly November 14th. Because again, on that thing, I said that uh, by December 16th, 1989, Queen Latifah had already sold 200,000 copies. That's very likely if her album was released November 7th and ladies first had just come out because the single before that would have been dance for me, which came out August, which I mentioned on, a, I believe mentioned that on a previous episode of, um, dart against humanity. Now here's another thing that was racking my brain. If you look up the release date for, um, third bases, the cactus album, it'll tell you it was released, Tuesday, November 14th, 1989. Just one issue. Def Jam liked to release their albums on Friday. So it's more likely that uh, Third Base of the Cactus album was released on November 10th, 1989. But here's the weird thing. <laughs> uh, Third Base's the Cactus album enters... The top 200 before it enters the top black albums. And the only other time that instance occurred was with uh, Beastie Boys. Beastie Boys' album debuted on the Billboard Top 100, Top 200. And then the next week, it debuted in the top black album charts. It's almost like they're rappers, and it's a rap album, but they're white. 
So we're a week late in figuring out where to where it should be charting. Meanwhile, Awesome Dre and the Hardcore Committee, bam, you can't hold me back. It's right there. It's right there. Steady B's going steady, bam, it's right there. Roxanne Shantae's bad sister, bam, right there. They put Chunky A larger than charge right there where it's supposed to be. So the Jungle Brothers, done by the forces of nature, first debuts on the charts, December 16th, 1989. Which tells me that likely their album came out on the 28th. As opposed to the 7th, like it says on Wikipedia. Now, that's just for me doing research research who the fuck is actually doing research in this space and oh let it rap warner brothers and the december 16th 1989 issue of billboard billboard warner brothers rap roster is mc shan ice t unity 2 marley mall kooji rap and dj polo the funky reggae crew who the fuck is that uh, Diabolical Bismarcky, Jungle Brothers, and Everlast. Our word on the street. And you see Sire, Cold Chillin', and oh, that's the Syndicate. Yeah, that's the Rap Syndicate logo. That's crazy. So now we go to um, Hot Rap Singles for December 16th, 1989. This is how you know that everything makes sense. Let's Work, Ice Cream Tea, Pump It Hottie, Redhead Kingpin, FBI is new at 29. Uzi Brothers, Nothing But a Gangster. Owl, Chunky A at number 27, even though he sang on this song. Like, um, I believe he sang like um, Homeboy from Cameo. You Must Learn, Boogie Down Productions, 27, 26. Ooh, ooh, you got it. The glamorous life. Cool C, um, number 25. Young and Restless, Poison Ivy's at 24. Salt and Pepper's Expression, Debuts, which I believe it came out that November. It uh, debuts at number 23. I Go to Work by Kumo D's down to 22. Dance to Drummer's Beat by Body and Soul. Been on the charts four weeks. It's at 21. Shall We Dance by Grandmaster Slice and Izzy Chill. Enters the charts new at 20. Going Steady by Steady B. Enters the charts new at 19. True Feelings by Black Rock and Ron. Been on the charts three weeks. It's at 18. Rhyme Fighter by Mellow Man Ace. Been on the charts nine weeks. This is before Minted Rosa dropped in 1990. Principal's Office. It just, come, it just dropped. Hit the charts. Young MC. It's up to 16. After two weeks. It was at 19 the week before. Gucci Crew 2. $5 high. Nine weeks. Up to 15. Turn It Out. Rob Bass from the Incredible Bass album. Been on the charts three weeks. It's up to 14. I think I could beat Mike Tyson. It's been on the charts for seven weeks and it's up to 13. But it's down to 13 because it was at eight the previous weeks. Eight and eight. Bust the Move, Young MC. Been on the charts 25 fucking weeks. She's got a big posse by Arabian Prince who actually got a write-up in um, November. I believe November 25th issue. This is off memory. This is how much research I've done. I believe he got a write-up about... Uh, She's got a big posse in the November 25th issue, 1989 of um, Billboard. And he's been on the charts five weeks. Donald D's FBI, Free Base Institute. That's where we go. That's where they go to get high. Awesome Drain, the Hardcore Committee, frankly speaking. Number nine, DOC and the Doctor, which ends up being the number one 
a rap single uh, at the end of the year. It's at number eight now. It's been on the charts six weeks. Just a Friend by Biz Markie. Nobody wrote about or made a post about Just a Friend by Biz Markie coming out because nobody does research. Beepers by Sir Mix-A-Lot. Off his, uh, I believe this is off his seminar album because the album before was Swass. Step Into the AM by Third Base. Been on the charts eight weeks. And it's at number five. It's moved up from six. It was at five the last week and then the six the week before. Me So Horny, Two Live Crew, been on the charts 15 weeks. Somebody For Me, Heavy D and the Boys, been on the charts nine weeks. Is it three? Cha Cha Cha, MC Light. She also got a write up in, I believe, the November 25th issue, November 25th, 1989 issue of um, Billboard. And they were talking about how her single was actually broken into the um, hot black music charts at number 73. I'm telling you, I've done so much research this month. I memorized things like this. Um, this, this is from like a week, a week ago. Uh, Cha Cha Cha's at number two, been on the charts 11 weeks. And number one is New Jack Swing. It moved up from three and it mo- it, it, it usurped uh, MC Light's Cha Cha Cha's, the number one rap single, it was the number one rap single of the week before which would have been December 9th, 1989. And there's also a gay boy Rick ad. So, Michelle A, No More Lies, the new single by Chucky Booker Touch. So you go to Hot Dance Music for the charts of uh, December 1989. What just enters the Hot Dance Music charts for December 16th? Step Into the AM by Third Base. And What You Need by Stacey Ladder saw another video that Puffy was in. For Those Who Like the Groove by Twin Hype. Stomp, Move, Jump, Jack Your Body by KY's Hip House. No More Lies by Michelle A. The Power Pick is Walk On By by Sybil. I remember when all this shit was on the radio. She also did Don't Make Me Over. What else is new on this bitch? Um... I'll Be Good to You by Quincy Jones. Consider Yourself Housed. The Power Pick is 123 by The Chimes. Yo, I'm old. A lot of y'all like, I don't know what any of these songs are. I don't know them. By the way, um, Let the Rhythm Pump by Doug Lazy was a hot song. Mr. Lee's Get Busy was hot. And Pump Up the Jam by Technotronic was a murdering shit. Murdering shit. It was actually the number one t- um, selling 12-inch. It was selling more than uh, Jamie Jackson's Rhythm Nation and Rex and Effects New Jack Swing. And a, a house classic, Little Lewis's French Kiss, which was the biggest song on college radio, but like in late 1989 into 1990. And there's a write up for Kai's, new on the charts. I have two identities suit clad car salesman by day, rapper by night. Hilarious. So, yeah. That was me doing research. And um, actually, let me see if I could go back and find where uh, third base enters the charts on the Hot 200, uh, or the, the Billboard 200, December 2nd. So you go to December 2nd, and there's MC Light. MC Light, and the word is heavy in her message. The top 10 album, Eyes On This, contains such outspoken cuts on the first number one rap single in video, cha-cha-cha. That's when she ends up in Billboard, when she has a number one rap single. That's also another thing that I need people to realize. If you're going to go do research, you're going to have to understand it. If you go looking for print ads and billboard, a lot of times the print ads don't show up until after the album's already been out. 
Rarely are you going to see uh, a record label cough up money for a rap single or rap anything ahead of time. They usually go for promotion once the season that once they see that they're they actually crack the charts. And that was Tommy Boy's thing, too. Tommy Boy didn't put any push into De La Soul until after uh, me, myself and I started moving. Because I tell you, that album came out in late January and me, myself and I came out February 14th, 1989, and it did not release in March 3rd, 1989. Otherwise, there's no way it would have debuted on Billboard March 11th. There wouldn't have been enough days, enough sales days. You need at least 10. And then you come out the week afterwards. Top pop albums. 108 is MC Light, Eyes on This. NWA's at 100 was straight out of Compton. The Alarm's at 109. You scroll down more. Third Base knew at 150, the Cactus album. So Cactus album entered at 150 on the top pop albums, December 2nd, 1989. Now here's the thing. When you enter the top pop albums, that means anywhere in the top 200, you were definitely showing up in the black album charts. Perfect example. Jermaine Jackson's Don't Take It Personal enters at 154 on the top 200. Let's go to the black top black albums and see where Jermaine Jackson enter, is. All right? I'm doing this live. Fuck it. Do it live. Okay, so let's see. Where are the black album charts? And, here, and this is also a weird thing, too. I believe that in this particular in, um, issue, the black music chart showed up after the, top, the pop albums, which was weird. So the black albums are on 63... So the black charts are on 64 and the pop albums were on 20. What was that about? I don't get that at all. So we'll go to 64. So what we're looking for is um, where's Janet, where's um, Jermaine Jackson's Don't Take It Personal, which would just enter the charts. And the reason that's important is because it'll tell us where third base should have been because they were entered at 150. And why weren't they on the black music charts? And rap, hip hop, taste of success, a taste of success is delicious vinyl. Interesting. Top black albums. Let's look. Club Nouveau is new at number ninety-eight. Afro Ricans new at number ninety-seven. Doctor Ice, the Mike Stalker. Interesting. Um, Roxanne Shante was new with Bad Sister at number ninety-one. Terrence Trent Darby, new at number 80. Arabian Prince, just entered the charts with Brother Arab on. You got By All Means, Beyond a Dream, The Gap Band, 64. Hmm. Interesting. Jermaine Jackson is not on these charts. Is he? Oh, no. Don't take it personal. Jermaine Jackson's at number 28 on these charts. He's been on them for four weeks. And he had just entered 
the top pop album charts, which makes sense. So if he's at number 28 and been here for four weeks and he was at 33 the week before and 40 the week before that, and he's at 154, then that means that third base should be somewhere between the DOC, Angela Winbush, the two live crew, EPMD's Unfinished Business, the OJ series, Rex and Effects, Rex, Rex and Effect, and Eric Gable's Cotton Act. Or DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince's, I think, I, um, and in this corner. Or Millie Vanilli's Girl, you know it's true. It should be somewhere here, and it's not. And the reason has to be because they were a white rap group and they didn't know to put them into the top black albums yet. Like Ice-T is, and D.O.C. is, and 2 Live Crew, and EPMD, and Rex and Effect, and DJ Judge Jeff and the Fresh Prince, and Sir Mix-A-Lot Seminar is already. Or Queen Latifah is All Hail the Queen, which by December 2nd had moved all the way up from 63 to 41. So if anybody's going to do a piece or do some research and figure out about uh, Third Base's album, then you really have to know that that album likely could have been released on November 10th as opposed to November 14th. And that it should have entered the charts already. Because it enters the top black albums charts on December 9th. Matter of fact, let's go let's go see it right now. Drop that. Back out. December 9th, 1989. That's it. Let's see where it enters the next week. Because it'll be the first week on that week and it might move up. Let's see. Ron C see ya. He's the ad. Um where's the black music? Black music charts are on 85, 25. Has to be 25 because black music charts started 24 on this one. That's a typo. Okay, top black albums. Number one is Janet Jackson. Let's go to new. New, Will Downing, The Main Ingredient. The Good Girls, good lord, I'm old. Rob Bass, The Incredible Bass, enters at number 70. Maze featuring Frankie Beverly, Left Lines, Volume 1. Third Bass enters at number 55, first week with the Cactus album. Now, that's interesting. They entered the charts on November, December 9th, 1989 at 55. They were at 150 the week before on the... um. The pop albums. I wonder what, what, where were they on the pop albums this week? Rap singles, December 9th. Cha Cha Cha, MC Light, number one. Me So Horny. Principal's Office has just entered. Young and Restless has just entered. I already did that the week 16. Hot Dance Charts. Turn It Out, Gold Bass by Rob Bass has just entered the dance music charts. Dr. Soul by Foster McElroy, which featured MC Light. 
just entered the charts. Pump It Hottie by Redhead Kingpin and the FBI. It entered at 46. I'm Not the Man I Used to Be enters the charts at number 44, which is hilarious because that's also another video that uh, Puffy was in. So Puffy was in two hot videos at the, uh, at the same time, What You Need by um, Stacey Lattisall and I'm Not the Man I Used to Be by um, Fine Young Cannibals. And he had already been in um, Summertime. So he was in what, like three, four videos at the same time that year. I remember I get calls from my cousins, um, Ananzetti and Tammy, when my brother got the calls and then I'd pick up the phone because nobody was calling me. Who was I? And they were just like, yo, Puffy's in this video. He's in this video. He's in this video. And we don't have cable. We got to tell a friend who has cable to bring a fucking the VCR, to bring a, a VHS tape over where they recorded the videos on or some shit. You know, we don't, we don't have it. It's just funny when I remember, like, people talking about all these things, and I'm like, bro, who had cable? The clip list. The new videos added Rhonda Clark, Stay Here, Stay Near on BET. I don't know who Rhonda Clark is. Heavy. Quincy Jones, I'll be good to you. Stephanie Mills, Home, Surface, You Are My Everything, Troop, I'm Not Souped. Chucky Booker, I Love You. Babyface, Tender Lover. Luther Vandross, Here and Now. Sharon Bryant, Foolish Heart. Medium. Jody Watley, Everything, Timmy Gatling, Help, Timmy Gatling, I gotta look up that video on YouTube, Grace Jones, Love on Top of Love, remember that, Janet Jackson, Rhythm Nation, of course, Jermaine Jackson, Don't Take It Personal, Take the Bitter with the Sweet, Easy Come, Easy Go, I'm that old, Cheryl Lynn, Every Time I Try to Say Goodbye, The Gap Band, All My Love, David Peaston, Can I, Michelle A, No More Lies, Do, 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 Allison Williams, Just Call my name. Abstract. Right. Hype. Yo, that shit. That song was the shit. Um, Black radio back in the late 80s, early 90s. Fire. Pieces of a Dream. What can I say? I don't really remember that song. Shirley Lewis. Realistic. Barry White. Follow that and see. Kashif. Personality. Angela Winbush. The real thing. Walter Beasley. Don't say goodbye. I bet if someone played that, I'd know it. And Bobby Brown. Rock with your baby. So... Again, I'm still looking for the top pop albums. Oh, damn, it's one of these inserts. A big Quincy Jones tribute. This shit's going to be long. This shit's going to be long. Yeah, so one of the things that you, um, when you go through old billboard issues, sometimes they have inserts. And it's part of the magazine, and you just have to like wait till you get back to the charts part. Black albums: Timmy Gatling, Chunky A. I just like it says black. That's all it is. Oh, now they finally have rap, rap picks, Salt and Pepper Expression, EPMD, The Big Payback, Kumo D, All Night Long, Christmas, Dance in the City. What you gonna do with my loving? I remember that song. This just takes me back to uh, like college radio and like Boston radio back in that time. Top pop albums. This is what we came for. Again, this is what I came for. Y'all just along for the ride. I'm going to end it here. So Rob Bass, The Incredible Bass, enters the top pop albums at one at 105. Where's third bass? Third bass had moved up from 150 the week before to 81 on December 9th. They were at 81 on the top pop albums. So 
that's basically what I'm going to do today. I just wanted to show y'all how much work goes into what I'm doing. I'm writing several things at once. One, writing liner notes for a friend's upcoming album. Uh, I'm doing research so I don't have to write out everything for Decal's um, piece for the 15th. I'm doing pre-research so I could just write out the um and finish the piece for um the underground rap albums um uh under independent as fuck vol uh, number three for um nineteen for nineteen ninety nine. I'm not gonna do one for two thousand. I thought it was important to do one for ninety ninety seven, ninety eight, ninety nine. Two thousand is not necessary. I feel like the crucial part of the uh, backpack ever started with the turn from 97, 98, 99. Um, because a lot of people who write in this space right now were not of vinyl buying age. They were not going to Sandbox Automatic. They weren't going to undergroundhiphop.com forums. They weren't pressing on real player um, clips to hear songs. They weren't making it a point to go to independent or, or college independent record stores and recording off college radio to get certain songs. They didn't retreat underground like the Morlocks when uh, when the shit turned shiny, when the Jiggy era took over. A lot of the people that right now were kids during that era and they grew up loving, you know, that era. They weren't disgusted by it or turned off by it. I was of going to club age and fighting motherfuckers in the club because of the division to happen and having people call me backpacker like it was a derogatory term and punch them in the face over it because I was confused as to why they were calling me a backpacker like it was a bad thing because before it hadn't been. But I will tell you at the beginning of the era, we did not call ourselves backpacker. That was something that people called us. And then later on, we were just like, yeah, cool. But then all of a sudden, like 97, 98, backpacker became like something that was corny or nerdy. And I was like, I'll knock you the fuck out. I, I was knocking motherfuckers out in 89, 90, 91 when, I was a, when they were calling me backpacker. And then when he accepted it, 94, 95, 96, we was knocking motherfuckers out, robbing them. So I'm just going to knock you out and take everything out your wallet. Anyways. Also, um... My book came out a month ago today. So that's crazy. Now, it's just time for me to um, be out, get back to work, upload this shit. Um, next week, I'm actually going to have something else of, of like actual consequence to talk about. One.